Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, we must tell you of our deep need. Christ is all in all. You are everything we need. May that recur to us, that thought, as we plunge into this moment. We pray in your name. Amen. So here's here's a riddle for you. What is as strong as a lion and as weak as a kitten? Once upon a long ago time, there was a childless couple. The wife was moving through her daily routine when all of a sudden, towering above her, a majestic being dressed in white. He looks down into that startled face, and he says, you, my lady, are going to have a baby boy, but I have some instructions for you. Listen to me carefully, because prenatal influences are what they are. Number one. You will drink no wine or other fermented drink. Am I clear? Number two, you will eat nothing unclean. Number three, your baby boy will be on the same diet and drink as you are. And number four, I want that boy to never get a haircut. It's gone. The wife is so astounded. She races to to her husband who's in the field, and she comes, you are not going to believe what just happened to me at the house. She knows her husband because he doesn't believe. In fact, he goes to God. He says, God, I don't know what's going on here, but I need to get this straight. Could you send the same man that my wife says she heard to me? Then we'll be fine. I'm telling you what, gentlemen. I don't know why we have such a hard time accepting the thought that God would go to our wives before he comes to us. Everybody knows the story, the story of Samson, who, by the way, got only one haircut in his life. I love being on a university campus because it's fun to watch these man buns cropping up. You been seeing these? These are guys who think they're on the Samson trail now. I'm wearing that man bun. No, it won't be the same as Samson, trust me. The story of Samson, world famous. But you know what? We always skip the prenatal beginning to the story. And so with your permission, I want to go to Judges chapter 13. Grab your Bible, please. Judges chapter 13, and we'll pick it up right here 
in verse 6. Judges chapter 13, verse 6. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me, and he looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. Oh, I like that. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Hit the pause button right there. Some people believe that John the Baptist, with similar instructions to his prenatal father, was a Nazarite. Some people also believe that the boy prophet Samuel was a Nazarite. Some even suggest that Jesus was a Nazarite at some point during his life among us. A Nazarite is an individual who has been set aside for God and gives special attention to diet, drink, and appearance. And by the way, a Nazarite can be a she, it can be a he. There is no gender distinction. The Nazarite has been simply declared the possession of God for a holy divine mission. I need to hit the pause button right here and kind of wonder out loud with you. (sighs) Do you suppose the remnant of the faith community at the end of time in some sort of similar way may be divinely intended to give careful attention to their diet? what they eat, to what they drink, and to how they appear, somehow that appearance being modest and a glory to the Lord Jesus. I'm just wondering, just, I'm, I'm just saying out loud that if God's... Could it be that God's people at the end of time are to be like Samson's family, are to be like Samson himself, the young Samson, devoting ourselves, our bodies, our diet, our drink, our appearance, devoting it to the Lord Jesus himself? I'm just saying and just wondering. Now, back to that riddle. What is as strong as a lion and as weak as a kitten? Let's go, because Samson's life is a morality tale, sad and tragic, told in two parts, episode one and episode two. Let's go to episode one. Episode one will be titled, A Girlfriend, a Lion, and the Jawbone of a Donkey, because the moment we meet the post-puberty Samson, he is hankering for a girl among the Philistines. We, we, We notice his language of demand to his parents. So turn the page. Judges chapter 14, verse 1. And so Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. Whoa, different religion. Mmm, different worldview. Mmm, different values. Turns out she's different everything except she's beautiful. And Samson announces to mom and dad, verse 2. When he returned, he said to his father and his mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Samson has an appetite 
In this case, it is an appetite for sex. In and of itself, it's not a wrong appetite. We've all been created with the appetite for sex within us. But it is an, but it is an appetite, as we all know, that has to be controlled. And self-control, self-control, as we quickly find out with Samson, is not his strength. In fact, the lack of self-control is his terrible and deadly weakness. His father and mother replied to the boy, hey, listen, Samson, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Please, you must not go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife. But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. And with that, the two chemicals in Samson's body manifest themselves in spades for the rest of his life. What are the two chemicals, Dwight? Testosterone and adrenaline. Because the rest of Samson's life is sex and killing. And he's the judge of the people of Israel? Yep. God takes them any way he gets them. Hmm. Well, a few days later, they're heading down to the Philistine town to fetch that young woman. When a young lion, ding, 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 ding. By the way, that bell always goes off when we have the first encounter with today's animal. Last, last week, the ding, ding, ding was for a donkey. Today, it's for a, a lion, right? A young lion leaps out of the shadows straight to Samson, and he instantly reacts. Here it is. Verse 6 and 7, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother, he must have been ahead on the path, what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Forget the lion. What is stronger than a lion and weaker than a kitten? The story goes on. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. Wow. He scooped out the honey with his hands, and he ate it as he went along. And when he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. So they throw a wedding reception. And Samson challenges his Philistine attendants. Yo, guys, I have a riddle. If you can solve this riddle, 30 changes of garment I will get for you and 30 pieces of linen. If you cannot solve this, I will get from you 30 changes of garment and 30 pieces of linen. Is that a deal? Deal. So what's the riddle? All right, listen carefully. Here it is. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Boy, the NIV did a great job in making this rhyme, didn't they? This is Hebrew. For three days, those Philistine attendants could not give the answer. Oh, man. They finally go to the bride, and they, they tell her, you find the answer or we're going to kill you. They obviously work for the mafia. The girl is scared stiff. 
And she puts on an Academy Award-winning performance of tears and pleadings. You've got to tell me, what is the answer to the riddle? At the end of the feast, the Philistine guys announced the answer Samson gave to his pleading bride. Because the guy that is stronger than a lion is weaker than a kitten. And she squealed on him. And he is so ticked, he immediately goes out, slays 30 Philistine men, disrobes them, brings the 30 changes of garment back, and then storms back to live with mom and dad. Adios. And so the Philistines gave his wife away to one of his attendants. And when Samson learns that, he goes postal. Now, they didn't have the SPCA back then. That would be the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. And Samson gets a hold by hand of 300 fox. And he ties their tails together two by two. And then he takes a burning torch and puts a burning torch in every pair of tails. And then he turns them loose in the dry end of summer grain that represents the harvest for the Philistine nation. And they destroy it by starting fires. And by the way, the Philistines go back to that girl that spilled the beans. They burn her and her father down as well. Yeah, sad. And when Samson hears that, look out, because here comes a reign of terror. Samson said to them, since you acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. And he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Etam. That's in Judah. Philistines marshal a massive army, and they go marching into Judah. And they say, we want you to hand over to us that guy named Samson. Do you understand? And the Judahites go to Samson. They say, Samson, you got to surrender. I'm telling you, my man, we're going to all be destroyed if you keep this up. Samson says, okay, I will be surrendered by you on one condition that you will not, when my back is turned to you, you will not turn on me. Fair enough. They bind him with flax. They turn him over to the Philistines who had this mighty roar of joy, just like thread. And then the famous incident. Everybody on the planet knows this story. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Gone. Mr. Adrenaline and Testosterone rules. Wow. What is stronger than a lion and weaker than a kitten? We're ready now for episode two. There are only two of them. This one's entitled, this one's titled, A Prostitute and a Girlfriend and a Blind Man. The last line of 15 says, For 20 years he ruled as a judge over the children of Israel. But the very next verse, after 20 years in ministry, here's the next verse. One day, Samson, chapter 16, verse 1, went to Gaza. We've been hearing a lot about Gaza in the news. Where he saw a prostitute, he went in to spend the night with her. I'm sorry to report. The enemy, spies, heard he was inside the city. The gates are locked. They're waiting for morning. They will get him when he wakes up. 
But he gets up in the middle of the night, fools everybody, tiptoes out. The gates are locked. He rips him off the foundation, hoists him on his back, dumps him on a hilltop. Gone again. We missed him. How sad. Sometime later, I mean, it just keeps in spades happening. He fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. The world knows her name. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Girl, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. And here's the deal. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. There were five cities, five princes, five times 1,100 shekels of silver. We're talking major money. So Delilah said to Samson, Oh, Samson. Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. And Samson makes a fool of her. Comes up with three goofy answers. And none of them work, of course. Uh, But she lays on the tears. This man who was strong as a lion and weak as a kitten, she lays on the tears and the pleadings. And guess what? Guess what? You're not going to believe this. Again. And she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. (sighs) With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. And once again, the betrayer lulls him to sleep. I don't know, strokes his locks. Kisses him until he's asleep. And then while he's asleep, takes that razor, and all seven of his braids are severed from his head. And it is always for me such a sad verse to now have to read because it goes like this. Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. That has been her ruse every time. He awoke from his sleep, and he thought, I'll go out as before, and I'll shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. What a sad and tragic ending to a life that promised so much. What is stronger than a lion and weaker than a kitten? Samson and you and me without self-control. That's it. It is obvious from his story that Samson could not say no to his appetite. And it was his downfall. Oscar Wilde, the gay playwright, once confessed his own weakness. It's become a line known 
everywhere. I can resist everything except temptation. We laugh, but it's the truth. Samson could say no to everything except his appetite. He could not say no. He would say no. He couldn't to the clamorings of his cravings. That's the whole point. He had no self-control over appetite. That's the bottom line to this tragic morality tale. And let's be, let's be honest. Come on, come on. Saying no to, to appetite in any of its myriad forms, it can be food, it can be sex, it can be money, who knows, drink. When, culture, when, when the culture around us and the society that within which we live seem to be continually saying yes to appetite in all its myriad forms, to say no is a huge challenge for the disciple and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I get it. I understand that. We are like a tiny little island in a sea awash with appetite. Why, even our friendly little Taco Bell, God bless him, continually reminds us that its lights are on. That little neon, that little neon sign in the window, open late for taco time. By the way, there's no Taco Bell in the United States that is closed before midnight, not one. Some will go all night long. You go to the Taco Bell website, here's their line. Whether you need a late-night dinner or have a midnight craving, we have you covered. That is America right there. We got it. We got you covered. Bring that appetite on in. I don't care what time it is. And so for America, tragically, the formula for instant gratification of appetite goes something like this. This is America's credo. Fill your stomach wherever, whenever, and with whatever you want. There is no no. That's America today. Question. What is stronger than a lion and weaker than a kitten? Answer, an appetite out of control, which is why we need deliverance from the other lion. I think of that moment when those two lions met, faced off in the wilderness. And by the way, I'm not talking about Mufasa and Scar, the hero and villain of the Lion King. Scar, the lion wannabe king everybody has learned to hate, and his hyenas. Holy, Holy Scripture knows just as well of a, wannabe, of a wannabe lion king, every single one of us faces off with every single day. Never forget these words. First Peter 5, verse 8, be alert. Yo, reader. You reading this right now? The voice of Peter from the grave. Be alert and of a sober mind. Keep your wits about you. You don't understand what you're living in the middle of. 
Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Be alert. Stay sober. Do you know why, do you know why a lion roars? Let's ask the Cleveland Zoo, one of the great zoos in the land. We'll go to their website and ask them, why does a lion roar? Interestingly, there are only four species of the Panthera genus that can roar. Lion, I never knew this before, lion, tiger, leopard, and jaguar. The bones in the voice box of these cats can extend and stretch more than other species, which helps create the deep, loud, the roar sound. Cheetahs, snow leopards, puma, and other species have anatomy closer to smaller cats, even house cats, so they have vocalizations that sound more, sound more like a common, just a purr. Why does a lion roar? Well, let's ask it. Lions are very social for large carnivores living in prides in the wild. Male lions will use their roar to scare off intruders and warn the pride of potential danger. It's also a show of power among the other males. Lion roars can be heard for up to five miles away. Five miles. That is a roar. You can understand that when a lion moves in for the kill, the roar is intended to paralyze the hapless victim. You're going to succumb to me now. And the truth of the matter is, you and I have a roar inside of us. We got a roar inside of us, and that roar has a name, and that roar is called appetite. And the wannabe Lion King taps into that appetite constantly. Constantly yield. Can't you hear that roar? That's your stomach. It's rumbling. You know why it's rumbling? Because it's hungry. Yield to it. I can make that louder. Roar. How do you like that? Yield to it. Succumb. Let me have power over you. Choose to follow that appetite. Forget what they've told you. You got to have it now. You're right. You were created this way. Oh, my. The roar of a lion to paralyze its victim. Sometimes we are paralyzed by the sound of our appetite, and we have no courage to resist it. Am I telling the truth or what? We all have an appetite. Appetite is not measured by your weight. Appetite is measured by your, by your humanity. And if you are human, I don't care how skinny you think you are, you have an appetite. And you're in the game with us. Nobody gets a pass. It's time to call in the real Lion King. When Satan found him, you remember, he looked more like a scarecrow than a Lion King. I mean, he is skin and bones. He's been fasting. That means going without food for 40 days and nights. I can see. You don't even have to, you don't even have to tell me. I can see you're hungry. I would be hungry, too, if I'd gone this long. I'll tell you what. You can make food right here. 
Darren's been making homemade bread during this pandemic, a, a whole new dimension to our marriage in life. And, and, and it's wonderful. Why don't you go ahead? Was there a roar inside of the, the other lion king? Of course there was. How could Jesus pull this off? Watch. As by the indulgence of appetite, Adam fell. We've all fallen right here on the, on the field of appetite. So by the denial of appetite, Christ must overcome. From the time of Adam to that of Christ, self-indulgence had increased the power of the appetites and passions until they had almost unlimited control. That is the United States right there. Unlimited control now. Wherever, whenever, whatever, eat it. Thus man and women had become debased and diseased, and of themselves it was impossible for them to overcome. In man's behalf, oh, here it comes, Christ conquered in the wilderness by enduring the severest test for our sake, yours and mine. He exercised a self-control stronger than hunger or death. Do you understand that? Hunger or death. That self-control that he exercised was stronger than death itself. He would die before yielding. Well, that's not you, and that's not me. Die before you, then? You say, oh, come on, Dwight. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> because we're talking about Christ. Of course he's going to be. He's, of, course, of course he's going to exercise the self-control strong, stronger than hunger and death. You're missing the whole point. That is you. That is me. You say, I can't do it. I just cannot. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can. Don't you give me this. I can't do it. There's one more line. I'll read it for you right now. Let him who is struggling against the power of appetite, let her who is struggling against the power of appetite look to the Savior in the wilderness of temptation. See him in his agony upon the cross. Go to Calvary. You want to see somebody who's dying with appetite within him? Listen to him as he cries out, I'm thirsty. I need something to drink. He has endured all that it is possible for you and me to bear. His victory is ours. Do you see that? What are those last four words? His victory is ours. Do you understand that? In fact, let's ISO that last line right there. Let's say it out loud together. His victory is ours. Come on, you can do that stronger. His victory is ours. It's ours. His victory is ours. In fact, let's change it. Forget ours. Let's just put this in the uh, first person singular. His victory is mine. Come on, say that with me. His victory is mine. His victory is mine. It's my victory. He gained it. I can't. I lose every time. This power, this, this paralyzing roar that comes over me from the wannabe Lion King gets me every time. I'm trying to tell you, my friend, those four words are your door out of being devoured. His victory is mine. Fifteen-second testimony. I have found Jesus to be able to immediately step in and subdue that roaring appetite when I call for help. 
Do you know what this word means? H-E-L-P. Tell me, what does that word mean? H-E-L-P. If you cry out, H-E-L-P, what are you asking for? Intervene. Boy, I love that story, John. I love that story. Man, I, I had to I listened to it twice. I got so paralyzed by the fear of being on my belly getting into that cave pit that I said, oh, I can't believe that John is that kind of a man. He got into that thing. Yeah. It's good, Chris. But I love the way John ended it. He said, they ripped the ceiling apart and deliverance. Deliverance came from above. I'm telling you with appetite, that's the gospel truth. Deliverance comes from above. You just cry the name Jesus. You haven't tried it yet. I have because I have a problem with appetite. Jesus, I'm asking you, I can't do this. It's just too strong. Do something. And I have seen him. I promise you, I have seen him gone. What happened? It's gone. Well, didn't you ask me to do it? I helped you. We sell Jesus way too short. We sell him far too short. He can't do that. Yes, he can, because you can. His victory is mine. Embrace that victory. Embrace that victory. Call on him. Oh, I love this. I've memorized this. Psalm 50, verse 15. God is speaking. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Memorize that line. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call on me. Just ask me. H-E-L-P. I get it. I'll be there. I'll be there. If you want me, I'm there. Wow. That is it. What Samson could have had, you and I can have today and right now. For may I remind you that Calvary's Lion King is no figment of Disney's imagination. There really is a Lion King. And the mighty apocalypse just throws the curtain aside so that we can see him. Then one of the elders in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 5, then one of the elders said to me, John, boy, do not weep. See. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, that means king, Messiah king. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the lion king has triumphed. That's what the elder is saying. He is able. Those are the elder's words. He is able. Then John says, I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just told me that he's the lion king. He's the, he's the lion from the tribe of Judah. Now I see a lamb. Ah, because the lion is the lamb. That's why. And the lamb is the lion. They're one and the same. One will die for your appetite. One will die for your appetite. And the other will deliver you from your appetite. And it's the same Jesus from stem to stern. Amen. Amen. Call on me. His victory is mine. Help. Oh, but I'm glad the story ends this way. And that's why the weak and failing, the fallen but repentant Samson dies in a way, sadly, he never lived. He died trusting in his Savior. It's true. Brought the whole temple down on top of him. He died with all of the enemy. He died. But guess what? 
When God decided to write the Bible's Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith chapter, He informs you and me today in that Hall of Fame today. Samson, in fact, I'm quoting right now, by faith, Samson gained what was promised. Can I get an amen to that? This is the man that was as strong as a lion and as weak as a kitten, but he comes to Jesus the last breath. God isn't looking for an excuse to lose you. He's looking for an excuse to save you. And if you foolishly decide, I'm going to wait till the end of my life, well, I hope you, I hope you have your, your cognitive powers then. But if you do and you come to him, he will take you. It would be stupid to wait till the end of your life. To be consumed by this wannabe Lion King while you're waiting for the real king to come, why would you give your life to the wannabe? Why would you do it? You wouldn't. Now, if you were thinking, you wouldn't. And guess what? By faith in the same Savior, you and I will end up in the same Hall of Fame with Samson forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's it. Nobody leaves here a victim today. Nobody leaves a victim today. Every man, woman, and child who leaves today leaves a victor because his victory is mine. The Connect card invites you to affirm that. PMChurch.org, Connect. Number one, I claim Jesus' victory over appetite for my own. Man, I do. Don't you want to? Oh, come on. Number two, I reject the wannabe Lion King and offer every realm of my life to the true Lion King of heaven. I want to go on record before heaven right now. I must tell Jesus. Thank you, gentlemen, for singing that. I must tell Jesus. I want to go on record. I want to be the Lion King's subject, not the wannabes. And finally, number three, by his amazing grace, Come on up, guys. By his amazing grace, I wish to join Samson in God's Hall of Fame, God's Hall of Faith. Me too. There's a place reserved for you. There's a place reserved for me because of amazing grace in the Lion King who says, I'll take you. Give me your life. I'll take you. And I'll deal with him myself.